home. Woo! Praise the Lord. Pastor's not home yet. Did you figure that out? Getting on a plane at 3 a.m. this morning. Praise the Lord. Oh, 3 a.m. coming up. Hallelujah. Justin and him stayed over a few days. Hey, could you show the pictures of we got to go up to the Golan Heights, which the Satan just fought against us, going up to the Golan? Um, I will tell you some miracles happened in Israel. And uh, one of them was the weather. When we got there, it was pouring raining, pouring raining. And I said, you know, you know, and of course, they're happy to have the rain, and I'm happy for them to have the rain um, because the Sea of Galilee is filling up, and they needed it to, but... You know, we had some things we needed to do and accomplish, and it wouldn't have been easy because everything's outside. And um, I just said, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this rain, and I command it not to fall while we're doing our tour. It can rain at night when we're sleeping. And in Joppa, we had a couple of windows of time where we got out, and it, no rain. Got back on the bus, rain. Got back out, no rain. And then from then on, it just cleared up throughout the week, and we had great sunshiny days. So I told Aaron, our tour guide, I said, I'm going to let the rain fall now, Aaron. <laughs> but um, praise the Lord. So we, we, uh, the day that we were supposed to go up in the Golan, they said, no, we can't go because it was snowing up at the coffee shop where we, where we wanted to go. And they wouldn't let the bus go up there. And, you know, and even my guide, you know, he's like, it, finally he just said, uh, you know, you're not going to have any visibility. There's no view. And I, I said to Aaron, I said, Aaron... This is not about a view. I mean, I love the view, just like anybody else. But this is not about a view. This is about us, our heart, imparting into the hearts of the IDF. And uh, this is who we are supporting. We've given X amount of dollars to them. And if we in any way can get up there, let's go to another meeting place. Is this going to rain on you? That I'm like, let's go. You know, and Huey, he called me personally because the other tour that was kind of working with us shut them down and shut us down too just because of what it looked like and and Justin and I went off together and we prayed and we took authority over the devil listen the devil works through people they're not trying to be bad it's just the way that it is because he doesn't want us to pray blessing and 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 love them and read Psalms 91 he doesn't want us to encourage them and but we went at the last minute I said let's go who he said, come on, they're going to still meet you. They're going to send some people out to, to Mount Kenetra. And we went up there. Do you see any rain? Do you see the clouds starting to, you see the blue hole? That hole just got bigger and bigger. Praise the Lord. And so we got to, uh, pastor got to pray over them, minister to them, and we got to accomplish that. Well, this morning, um, next Sunday morning, we're going to have an awesome service. There'll be lots of pictures. There's be little bit clips of videos that uh, many people that want and went, they are going to, um, share and you're going to love what God did in their lives. And it's just going to be a wonderful Holy Ghost service. And you want to hear what they have to say. But this morning, cause it's my service, ha, ha, I've asked Caleb and Chloe to come up and, and, uh, give three minutes. Three minutes of a takeaway of what happened to them in Israel. And so, can you give Caleb a hand? Amen. Three minutes, two minutes, an hour, right? Three minutes. An hour, right? Three minutes, okay. I can cut you off. Perfect. Hey, guys, how are y'all doing today? <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's a little scruffy. I had an awesome flight back, 15 hours, guy behind me coughing on me the entire time. <laughs> really fun. Um, first and foremost, thank you to everyone here. 
Um, when the idea of Israel first came out, my mom kind of just heard a word from God, we're going to go. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's some faith right there. We're going to go to Israel. A lot of just happened. And we just started trusting God. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Sorry, I got word last service. So I put a few scriptures together for this little mini sermon. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, submit to him. He'll make your path straight. So we're like, okay, you know, we fundraise for camp. It's always a blessing. We're able to go to camp. We fundraise, you know, a few hundred dollars, which is really great. The Israel was more than a few hundred dollars, so it was really using faith to get there. And so we just started fundraising. And I don't know if I'm going to leave this anonymous, but thank you to so many of you guys who gave more than just $2 for a brownie. Huge blessing. It really blessed all of us so much. Me, Chloe, my mom, Diego is not here, and everyone else who went. It was a crazy experience for each of us. But um, we get to Israel, and we start walking around, and our tour guide, Aaron, super smart guy, we're walking around, and he's, he's come on, no delay, make haste, let's go. Like, when we get to somewhere, he starts talking about it, and when you go to breathe and take it in, he, like, snags you, and you're off to the next location. So you really don't get any time to really take in the beautiful surrounding. And one of the days, you know, we're walking around, and I have to be short, so I'm going to kind of skip all the melancholy, and we went to one site called the Wailing Wall. And what the Wailing Wall is, the Jewish people believe that when the temple was destroyed the, and the, where God was in the Ark of the Covenant, he left and fled to this wall. He stayed in this wall, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, whatever you want to call it. So all the Jewish people would literally make trips, some would make like a trip of a lifetime just to come put their hand on this wall and pray over this wall because that's how they talked to God. And it was kind of a weird feeling to see this. So later we take a trip under the wall and there's all these ladies praying to this wall. And I was just like, okay, this is weird. So later that night... Uh, Cody and Diego and everyone, we all, they all want to go to the market. I was really tired. That time change is a killer, 12 hours. Have fun with that. And so I'm like, I'm not going out tonight. I'm a, like an 80-year-old man in an 18-year-old's body. So they all go out, and Justin's like, man, let's shoot a video. I'm like, okay, let's be back by 9. Of course, me and Justin end up getting lost in Jerusalem, which is a big city. Our hotel is over here. We are on that side of Jerusalem somehow. We walk by foot over an hour and a half away. And we end up at the Wailing Wall again. And so we're kind of sitting there looking at the Wailing Wall, looking at all these people, crowded the daytime. It looks like Disney at night. They're all just praying over this wall. And then God, Jesus just kind of started talking to me there because it, it was a little uncomfortable for me watching all these people just literally putting their hand on this wall and praying. And Jesus says, isn't this sad? And the Lord speaking to me, isn't this sad? These people are in such bondage. And then I started thinking of it. Not just the Jewish community does that. So many of us with things on our own life or other denominations of Christianity put all this faith on a certain figure, all this faith on praying or even living, living right 100% of the time that we don't truly understand God's grace. The thing is, is when Jesus died on the cross, his spirit went down into hell, destroyed hell, kicked over that pot of damnation, came up, and now the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. Amen. So 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, do you not realize that you yourself yes. Yes. is Jesus Christ in you? Yeah. And that's the sad thing is so many people don't truly understand the power we have with the Holy Spirit in us. And later that day, I wasn't really thinking about it too much. Later the next day, Cody started talking. And you know, like me and Cody are friends. We joke around. We goof around a ton. You can attest to that. We were always the last people to get on the bus because we were the last people to get down the mountains because we were taking pictures with eggs, literally. And th th that's another long story I don't have time to talk about. But then, Cody, <laughs> but then Cody started talking the next day that we have such power in us and that all these people, because he talked about it in a different way because 
Israel kind of lives in bondage because all the nations around them literally hate them. But they have such power. They have such power with America. They have such power in their own defenses. But it's almost like they live in fear. And at the same time, Christians, we do that too. We put our own wailing walls up around us. We put all this bondage up around us that we go and kind of touch and pray to when we could really knock it down with God in us. Yeah. And so I think I'm past my three minutes, yeah. but that's just kind of, what, that's good. kind of what I got in Israel. So thank you so much to all you guys who gave Amen. today. Amen. Woo! Go Caleb! Hello. <laughs> so um, this trip to Israel was amazing. I'll say that to start with. Um, and I do know that Satan has been trying everything he can to stop us from going because of all the threats in Israel, and everyone was saying, well, it's not safe, it's not safe. Well, I feel more safe there than I feel in America. But anyways, um, <laughs> um, and now I got a little sickness from the plane, so I believe Satan doesn't want me to share with you today. But here I am. Yes, you um, are. <laughs> anyways, so on this trip, there were a lot of things that were really cool and stood out to me. Um, a lot of rocks, basically, um, because it's like ancient ruins, and it's almost like stuff is destroyed, so it's harder to imagine it. But God blessed me with an imaginative mind, so. Um, but anyways, one of the places we went was Caesarea Philippi, which in the Bible, it's in Matthew 16. Um, that is when Jesus took his disciples on a journey to ask them two simple questions. Who do others say I am? And then... Who do you say I am? And, um, and when I read my Bible, I just thought, oh, cool. He's just asking them that. They probably walked like down the street. But no, he took them on like a four-day journey just to ask him those two questions. And I just kept thinking, well, why? Like, why would you do that? That's so dumb. But um, God is not dumb. So um, he actually took them to this place. And it was nicknamed the Supermarket of Gods, which was kind of crazy and when I got there, um, you could see like the foundation from one of the hugest idolist um, temples, probably down to here, from the wall to here. Um, and that was a huge temple where they kept one idol, and everyone was bowing down to that idol. And there were like tons of those lined up all along a mountain, probably close to 20. Um, and it was just so cool. There was also a cave there that was called um, the Gates of Hell, um, which is crazy. Um, so when Jesus took them there, Peter answered him that others say that he is um, a false prophet or just like Elijah or something like that. But no, then Jesus said, who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Messiah, the King of Kings. And, I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, then Jesus replied to him, you are the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not oh. prevail against it. Amen. And that was the gates of hell right there. Yeah. And I mean, things like that, you can't see them until you go to Israel and yeah. physically see it with your eyes. Like, it was insane. And then, I won't share for too much longer, but there was another place that we went that was, like, I didn't even realize this until this morning, but um, it's called Caesarea. That's where we went on the first day. And um, this was where the Holy Spirit first fell on the Gentiles. 
um, who the Jewish were like more chosen and more special to most of the people at the time, but the Gentiles were kind of like the little heathens running around, honestly. Um, (laughs) But um, this was where the Holy Spirit first fell. And when I read my Bible, it's like, okay, maybe it's like 10 people. No, it was like a huge stadium, probably bigger than this church could seat people. And um, one thing that I realized this morning was this was a place that Herod the Great had built. And it's just so funny how God can turn what the devil wants around for good. Um, Herod the Great was a man who murdered people, wanted to kill Jesus, basically. Um, And this was a place where the Holy Spirit first fell. So, yeah, that's all. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Could you turn that off? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? That is the name of my sermon this morning. And I wanted Chloe to share because that was her takeaway at our farewell dinner. She popped up and said, man, this really place had a big impact on me. You know, we sang a song. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know where I'm at. But if you don't know who he is, you don't know who you are. You can say it, you can sing it all day long. I know who I am. But Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Because he knew that Peter would never accomplish the things that God had ordained him to do if he didn't know who he was first. He wasn't asking because he had an identity problem or an identity crisis or he needed affirmation from Peter. He asked Peter, who do you say, or he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Because he knew if they didn't know who he was, they would never figure out who they were and who they are in Christ. And I'm asking you today, who do you say Jesus is? Who is he? Is he Savior? Is he an insurance policy? Did he just die for your sins so you could go to heaven? Or is he Lord? Because if he's Lord, he can say anything he wants to you. Make an adjustment here. Don't live here. Yes, go to church here. Don't do this. Don't take this job. If he's Lord, he gets to run your life. But he always has the best things in store for you. He's got a great plan mapped out for you. And if you'll listen to him and call him Lord, and if you know what that means, you'll have an awesome life. Not without trial, but it'll still be an awesome life. So let's go to that scripture. I will say this. You must have a revelation of who he is. Before you can ever receive and put into practice who he says you are. You must have a revelation of who Jesus is to you. Before you can put into practice who he said you are. Amen. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And as Chloe said, he wasn't, I thought the same thing. One day he's just walking down the street and all of a sudden he comes up with this question for the disciples. Who do men say I am? That's how, you know, we read our Bible. That's how I read it. But he went on a four-day journey specifically so he could stand on that rock and say it. And I'm going to tell you why he had to stand on that rock. 
Because on that rock, and you can put that picture up again, on that rock was dedicated idol after idol after idol after idol. There, there were ruins, but you could see them lined up, the ruins where they had fallen off. Idol after idol of, of, of idols that the Gentiles on that side had worshipped. And even at some time, the Jews, you know, when they were in sin or whatever, because there was Gentiles living all around there. But this was a huge place. That's one of them. But you can't see another one, another one, another one, because I took a picture of the biggest one. But they had, they had all these idols that they said, this is the true God. This is the true God. This is the true God. And the generations keep passing on. But all these idols had one thing in, in common. First of all, they're dead. But <laughs> I knew that. But they all had one thing in common, that they had to receive sacrifices. And so killing of babies, killing people, killing animals, whatever. So if you could show the pool and the gates of hell. So they had this place in the rock. Well, you know that the Lord created that. You know that's not really the gates of hell, but they called it the gates of hell throughout the ages. And there's a pool there. And they, they, they would throw the, 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 the people or the, the sacrifices, whatever they were, people or animals, they'd throw them in that pool of water and they truly believed that that pool went into the underworld. And so if the... If the sacrifice that was thrown in that water, if there was blood that showed up in the water, then they knew that the God of hell did not accept the sacrifice, or their God, didn't, and they went to hell. But if no blood showed up in the water, then they knew that their God, up there on the mountain, accepted the sacrifice. Tell me how that works, I don't know, but this place was, was a crazy, crazy Beautiful place, but the history behind it was incredible. Jesus walked four days to ask the disciple that question. Who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Others say that you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He asked the disciples, but who do you say that I am? Not because he needed to know who he was. He needed them to know who he was. And Peter answered, and he said, go ahead to that scripture. Next scripture, Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he's standing on a mountain with a bunch of dead gods. And their idols were still intact. Many of their idols were still the God of Pan, the God of this, the God of that. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then what does Jesus say next? Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven... Next scripture. And I say to you, you are Peter. The word Peter means Petra. It means rock. You are Peter. And on this rock, not just physical Peter, on this rock. This rock of what? This physical rock that he was standing on was a representation of all these false gods. And, he, and he's declaring on this natural rock because the scriptures are multi-layered. It, it's not just a spiritual saying, which it is. But he took them to a natural place where everybody worshipped everything but the true and living God. And the idols just lined the mountain. And there was the gates of hell, you know. And so he said, you are Peter and on this rock, this physical rock and the rock of that confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm going to build my church and I'm standing right here and I'm declaring from this physical, natural rock that I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell, what everybody thought was the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. So he took them to a natural setting and a natural place that everybody understood. 
But he also says something spiritual and said, upon this confession that you've just made, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm going to build my church. And this, this, what they're calling the gates of hell or the real gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And so I'm here to ask you today, who do you say that Jesus is? I know I asked you before, but he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? To the disciples, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? We talk a lot about who we are in Christ, and that's good, and that's great. But you will never know who you are in Christ until you know exactly who Jesus said he was. You can't. There's no foundation for that. There's no revelation. If there's no revelation of who Jesus is to you, you, you will falter every time you try to go, I'm this, I'm that. Because you don't know who he is and what he really means to you. He's got to be more than just someone who died on the cross and took your sins and now, by grace, I've been saved. It's got to be more revelation to that. And the only way you're going to know is if you fellowship the relationship. First of all, you've got to have a relationship. And then you've got to fellowship the relationship. I cannot know my husband. I cannot really know what he's about. I cannot know him intimately. I cannot answer for him if I only have a relationship by a ring. But if I fellowship with him, I can pretty much answer. You can ask me any question that you would ask him, except how long his certain guns are. Um, you can ask me any question, and I could pretty much answer for you because I know him. I know him. And if you don't know Jesus like that, you're not going to know who you are. You're going to let everybody else and everything else and every devil in hell tell you who you are through your mind, through your ear gates, and through your eye gates. So this morning, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to read some things about what only Jesus said about himself. John said things about him. Paul said things about him, but this morning, I'm going to read you some things that he said about himself. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, if you come to me, you will no longer remain in darkness. Is there darkness in your life? Don't answer. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the light. If you come to me, no more darkness. No more darkness. I'm the light. I'll shed the light on all of that. Amen? He said, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. He says, it all starts with me and it ends with me. John said about him, what is John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there was nothing that was made that was not made. It was made by Jesus. It says it right there in John 1. He says, he was in the beginning with God. Not the Bible. Not the Bible. The written, the written word, the, the real word. Jesus is the word. Yes. It says he. It says he was in the beginning with God, the Father. He is the word made flesh. Amen. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The disciples said, show me the Father. Show us the Father. He said, how long have I been with you? All the things that I've done. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, the Father himself loves you. Why? Because you love me and believe that I came forth from him. That's why God the Father, the judgment God of the Old Testament. Yes, he's judgment. He has to judge rightly. How could he save the poor and the desperate and the desolate? How can he save them? How can he stand for them if he's not a righteous judge? But Jesus said, if you saw me, you saw the Father. 
He said, everything that I do, I do because I see the Father do it first. Did he heal the sick? That means the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He says it in the Word. Jesus said, the Father loves you just as he has loved me. Because you love me and you believed I came from him. That's all. If you believe you came, he came from God, then, then you're, you're in good with the Father too. He love, if you love him, he loves you. Amen? That's what Jesus said. We're, we're talking about who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? Is he a living God to you? Many people don't act like he's living. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Boy, the Jews got mad. They said, how can you say, before Abraham was, I am? You're not even 50 years old yet. He said, before Abraham was ever born, I was. Woo, that made them mad. Because, he said, God sent me. He said, I came forth from God. He said, I have authority on the earth to forgive sins. Do you know that? He has authority on this earth to forgive sins. That's why he told that man, get up, take up your bed, go home. Your sins have been forgiven you. They didn't like that. I am from above. I'm not of this world. I give eternal life. This is what Jesus said about himself. I give eternal life and judgments have been given to me. Did you know that we stood on the, the southern wall steps? Huge southern wall. Beautiful. Old, old, old place. And you stand up on those steps and the sun's just hitting you because it's the southern wall and it's winter. So it's warming you up. Thank God. Get up on those steps and you look, and, look down into the Kidron Valley that runs on the southern side. And so... That's where Jesus Christ is going to judge the nations of the world, right there, from the southern steps. Amazing. It's amazing. He said, I am the same as God. My Father and I are one. Is that who he is to you? He says he is God. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry again. If you believe in me, you'll never be thirsty again. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry again. If you believe in me, you'll never thirst again. That's what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. No man comes to the Father except through me. Nobody gets to Father God unless they come through Jesus. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door a while back. Normally, I don't blow them off, you know. And um, I don't have to defend my God. He told me that a long time ago. He said, you just give them the word. They know, right? We've already preached about Romans 1 says they all know, right? So I just give them the word. And I look them dead in the eyes, three men. And you know, don't be intimidated by people. You got God inside of you. What did Caleb say? You got God inside of you. I said, Jesus said, I even opened up their Bible, and I think I found it in there. John 14, or they took it out. I can't remember. I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to Father God except you come through him. I said, you are not the meek. You are not inheriting the earth. That's one of their big scriptures. The meek shall inherit the earth. You are not inheriting the earth unless you come to God by way of Jesus Christ. When I spoke those words, it was like uh, Jesus, remember when he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, I am he. 
and the soldiers fell backwards. Well, they didn't fall down my steps, but they went. You could, you could see the power of the word of God. They're standing here like this, and then they're going, you know. It's just the power of the word of God. And then they regain composure, and they said, well, we don't understand this trinity. That's stupid. I said, well, I'll help you understand it. Father Morgan, Mother Morgan, Son Morgan. We're all one. We're family. Father Morgan, Morgan the Father, Morgan the, the Holy Spirit, Morgan the Son. <laughs> I was the Holy Spirit, you know. Justin was the, the Son. So I'm like, it's, it's not hard to understand. We're all of the same family. We're of the same blood. We're all one. But we're three different people. But we're all Morgan. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three different people. You're not getting to Father unless you go by way of the cross, by way of Jesus. You know? And so the Word of God is powerful. It's two-edged sword. It cuts. Just speak the Word. Don't explain or defend. Just speak the Word. That's all you have to do. Give them the truth. And I said it in a loving way. Then they wanted to continue to argue, and then we said goodbye. But... <laughs> The truth is, is that that's what they're taught to do. They're taught to not let us win. <laughs> that's what they're taught to do. But you could tell when I gave them the word, it just, it, it, it caught them off guard for just a minute. They heard the truth. You're not getting to God unless you go through Jesus. And that's the end of that. But here's what Jesus said too. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does that look like to you? I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does abundant life look to you? Is it a life of mental confusion? Is it a life of sickness? Is it a life of darkness? If Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life, what does the word abundant mean? It means overflowing, more than enough. Doesn't mean you won't have trials. It means you're going to get on top of it. He's come to give you an abundant life. That's what Jesus said about himself. Do you know who you are? You don't know who you are until you know who he is. That's why he had to find out from Peter. Peter, I know who I am, but do you know who I am? I am not amongst this lineup, this supermarket of gods on this mountain. One, two, three, four, five. I am not a part of this. I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm living. They're dead. And this, this so-called gates of hell shall not prevail against you, me, or the church. I'll build my church, not only because of this rock, but because of the knowledge of what they understood what that meant. I'll build my church on the confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm coming in to live inside of you. And I am now the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against me and will not prevail against you. These are some things Jesus said. How do I know this? Because I looked them up in my Bible. If you don't ever read what Jesus said about himself, you'll never know who you are because you don't know who he is. He's just like this little fireman guy that saved your life, put out the fire. That, he's way much more than that. He's way much more than that. Here's what Jesus said. I will love him who loves me and my father and I will manifest ourselves to him. This is what Jesus said. He says, I'm going to love you if you love me. And not only me, but my father and I will come into your home. We'll make our abode with you. And we will manifest ourselves to you. Believe and expect God to manifest to you. The Holy Spirit to manifest to you. If you'll pray in the Holy Ghost, if you'll spend time with him, man, he will come into your room. He will fill up your truck. He will fill up your car. He will fill up your house. He will talk to you. Because everything you need in life generally is in the Bible. 
But everything you need in life specifically is in here in this well of salvation. If you don't ever draw those waters up, you will never know specifically what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go. That's why you pray in the Holy Ghost because you don't know how to pray as you ought. You know you should pray. You know you need to pray, but you don't know how to pray. And so the Holy Ghost wants to come up inside of you. He wants to pray those things out because he knows how to pray. The perfect will of God for you. He's a hotline to heaven. The devil don't know what he's saying. And he's going to make those things come to pass for you. If you're not praying in the spirit every day, you've lost half your life. You're just, you're just meandering. Doesn't mean the Lord can't talk to you. He will. But you're limiting him. Don't limit him. Don't limit him. He's big on the inside of you. And then he says, I am with you always. This is what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am with you always. I'm the ever-present one. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you can't get a hold of help, you got help right inside of you. Call out the name of Jesus. Call out the name of Jesus. You don't need a cell phone. You don't need the internet. You don't need Wi-Fi, Snapchat, Instagram. You don't need none of that. Call out to Jesus. Snapchat with Jesus. He's right there. Boom. Amen. When I was, um, when I was uh, a younger mother, still a mother, when I was a younger mother and Jordan was only, oh, I don't know, he was always getting himself in trouble. He's probably two. He's probably two. You know, I, the, the Lord would talk to me and, and all of a sudden I'd be doing something, I'd be vacuuming and I, I get this like moment. I'm like, I know something's up. I so know what's going on. And, and I find Jordan climbing up a pole, you know, two years old, climbing up a roof. He's always trying to get on top of something at the top of a tree, swinging in the breeze. Mama, you know, that was at seven, not two. But anyways, when he was little and still in diapers, we had a back porch steps that the steps were very far apart. One, two, three, four, and five steps coming up to the back door because our our house was built up on, on this foundation. So we had this crawl space underneath. So then going down to a, a concrete foundation slab in the carport. And so Jordan was turned around like this, you know, like this. And uh, I knew something was up. I opened the door and I didn't have time to catch him. And he went down those stairs head first. Uh, he just, he just tripped, you know, whatever he did, he just backed up. You know what I mean? He just backed up and he was sliding down those stairs head first. There was no one home, but just me and him. And, and, uh, you know, at that point I was not elastic girl. I did not, was not able to catch him. And all that came out of my mouth was Jesus, Jesus, what are you going to say? Man, it was a long fall. I mean, it was five steps and, and, and here goes my baby boy. You know, I said, Jesus. And did you know, right in front of my eyes, that little body flipped around and he landed on his little diaper and sat up. I saw, I saw something turn him. I didn't see the angel that turned him, but I saw something just flip him. And he just sat on the ground and started laughing. I'm like, boy. <laughs> we won't talk about the Jordan side of things anyways. God is good. Who do you say that I am? So let's talk about, I want to go to John 5, 1 through 15. Let's talk about some situations. If Jesus didn't know who he was, he would never have known how to tell or what to say to people and who they are and what God means to them. He was very confident in who he was. Amen? 
John 5, you can go very fast on this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. We were there, a pool. We were at the pool of Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Stop. So in Jerusalem, um, there's a pool of Bethesda. And now as we go in on in the scripture, in your King James Bible, it says that the angel, whenever the angel stirred the water, that it, the first one to get down would get healed. However, in the Jewish Bible, it doesn't mention the word angel. It just says at the stirring of the waters. Well, there is a place down underneath Jerusalem, the Gihon Springs that feeds all of Jerusalem. There's a place where they would let the, there was a time and certain holy days during the month that they would let that water out and they would open like the dam or whatever and it would, and it would stir and fill up the pools. Now, whether an angel did it or whether it was like a man-made thing of them letting the waters out and so the waters rushing in caused a stirring in the water. The point is not whether it was an angel or whether it was something naturally that they did. The point is that when the stirring of the waters happened, whoever got in first got healed. And Jesus came up there and he said to this one man who was there 38 years, that's a long time to be sick. That's a long time to be sitting in a pool waiting to get in there first and never being able to. And Jesus walked up to this man and he said, what did he say? Do you want to be made well? That was a yes or no question. See, like it's obvious, but do you want to be made well? And what did the man say? Next verse. He said, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Keep going. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, walk, go home. Here's what Jesus said. And immediately the man was well, took up his bed, and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Boy, he loved to heal people on, on the Sabbath. He loved to heal people on the Sabbath. And so what was he telling that man? What was he telling him? He was telling him, you don't have to wait for an angel. You don't have to wait for the waters to start stirring. You don't have to wait for anything. I'm everything you need. I'm here. Ta-da! I'm here. Get up. Rise up and be healed. And I'm saying to you this morning, you don't have to wait for this. You don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait for a man of God to lay hands on you. Hey, when the Spirit of God is moving in a place, come on up. We're great with that. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus is saying, right here, right now, know you not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives inside of you. He's saying, rise up, take up your bed and walk. I am ever present with you. Amen. You don't have to wait on nothing or nobody. He is saying to you today the same thing he said 2,000 years ago. Do you want to be made well? To the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Never once did he said, maybe or no. Never once did he said, wait or no. Never once did he say, stay sick. It'll give me glory. You find it in your Bible and come up and present it to me. I'm still looking for it. He says, do you want to be made well? What do you want me to do for you? According to your faith being unto you. He is still in that same business. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he's doing today. What he's doing today, he'll do again for you tomorrow. He's the first, the last. He's the beginning and the end. It starts with him and ends with him. You want to see what Jesus is like and you want to see what the Father's like? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what your Father's like and that's what he's like. Amen? Jesus is saying to you now, what do you want? Jesus... The Bible says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. 
The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He is still healing hearts, broken hearts, minds, mental, physical. He's still doing it. But do you know who he is? He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's not from this world. He came down to this world. He was made flesh, but he was way up there a lot longer than before. You were. He's God. Amen? Let's go to uh, Luke. So in, in John, we can keep going. We're going to go to Luke now. Luke 13. In John, this man that was healed at the pool of Bethesda before Jesus came to him, that's why he answered Jesus the way he said, there's no one to help me in the pool. Everybody gets in there before I do. What was he doing? He's letting circumstances define who he was. He was letting the circumstances of what was happening. We're not saying circumstances aren't real, but they're not the truth. They're not the final word. Do not let your circumstances define who you are or what God says about you. Amen? Amen? And that's what Jesus was trying to show him. Don't let your circumstances, the fact that you can't get in the pool, don't let that define you. Amen. I'm asking you now, what do you want? I'm here for you. Get up and go home. And Jesus is saying that to you. Get up and go home. What does that mean? It means get up and go home. Home to the Father. Home to the reality of who Christ is in your life. You will never have a revelation of who you are in Christ if you don't have a revelation of who he is. First. Amen? So let's go to um, the woman with the infirmity for 18 years. Luke 13. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years she was bent over and could no way raise herself up. That's a long time to be doing this. That's a long time to be walking like this. Is that God's will? No, it's not. But when Jesus saw her, oh, he did something very bad in the Jewish realm of thinking. He called her to him. He was up, he was up preaching. He was up sharing. He was, you don't call a woman to yourself. A man does not call a woman to himself, especially not in a synagogue. They're in another room. They're in another side, or sometimes they're sitting right outside in the courtyard. And he reached out there and called her to himself and said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. What happens when you're healed? You glorify God. The lame man at the temple called beautiful and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Well, he wasn't doing that when he was lame. He wasn't glorifying God when he was lame. He glorified God when he was healed. God always gets the glory when you're healed. Spiritually, mentally, socially, physically. He laid his hands on her and immediately was shoes made straight and glorified God. Now, look what happened next. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work and therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Ooh, and the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you... On the Sabbath, they call it Shabbat in, in Israel, the Shabbat. Does not, either, in, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? Stop that. So they're leading their donkeys to water and to food. 
They're making sure that they loose their donkeys, but it's not okay to loose a woman who has an infirmity for 18 years. So here we are in Shabbat in Israel on Friday, starts around four o'clock. And we're in our hotel and we got a Shabbat elevator and we got a regular elevator. And the Shabbat elevator stops at every floor. The hotel is rigged to stop at every floor because they're not allowed to push a button on the Sabbath. It's work. They're not allowed to push a TV, anything electronical. Come on, just, just think about this. Anything electronical or digital, they can't push a button. And if they happen to be on, if they happen to end up on the other uh, elevator, you can't ask them which, which floor that they would like to get on. They're not allowed to tell you. They just have to wait until it somehow gets around to their floor. So that, that's why there's a Sabbath elevator and this. You don't want to get on the Sabbath elevator. It takes you all day and all night to do anything. Come on, guys. And so Jesus, we're like, so we asked, I asked, we asked our guide, Aaron. We said, Aaron, he's Jewish. We said, Aaron, you know, um, do they, are they allowed to flush the toilet when they go to the bathroom? I mean, because we're thinking about what can they do? Uh, are they allowed to brush their teeth? Are they going to stink for 24 hours? Is there about, you know, we're just trying to, and he's like, yeah, they can flush the toilet. Yeah, they can brush their teeth. <laughs> By the way, he's not a practicing Jew, but he is Jewish, and he knows all about it. And he, he's like, yeah, they can do that. And so I'm just going, what you can do, what you can't do, crazy. And my heart was so sad for them. They're doing all these things. They don't even know why they do them. It means nothing to God, and they don't know that it means nothing to him. But here Jesus is. He said it so well. You hypocrite. You'll go out and loose your donkey on the Sabbath so he can get water, so he can live. And you won't even let me loose a woman who is a daughter of Abraham. Think of it, who's been bound. Go to that verse. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Of course, they, were, they got mad. He said, you loose your animals, but you don't want to loose people? You care more about your animals than you do a woman who's been over for 18 years? So let's talk about this. Let's, let's bring this down to you. So ought not Shantae, being a daughter of Abraham, be loose from whatever? So, so, so ought not Zach, being a son of Abraham, be loosed from whatever? If a Jew can loose a donkey on the Sabbath, why can't Jesus heal someone? You're much more of value and importance than a donkey. You care about your donkey, you flush the toilet, you brush your teeth, you loose your donkey, but you can't let me loose somebody from an infirmity? So let's talk about it. Where is the scripture? Do you know the scripture that says you're a daughter of Abraham? No, you're not a Jew of natural birth, but where's the scripture in the Bible that says you're a daughter of Abraham? Galatians 3.29, or son. Galatians 3.29. Is it up there or... And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It says all those that believe in Christ are blessed with believing Abraham because he believed in Christ's future. He said if you're Christ, then you are automatically Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So ought not you be loosed from this bond today and always? Yes, Jesus could not... Tell her, she said, 
You, he said, you are. This is what you are. You are loosed. Woman, you're loosed. Jesus could not tell her who she was if he didn't know who he was. And neither can you tell anybody or minister life to anybody if you're not grounded in who Jesus is to you. Who is he to you? Is he just a religious figure? Is he just fire insurance? Is he just savior? He just died on a cross and now I can go to heaven and the rest of my life from here to there is my business? No, no. Who is he to you? He's the light of the world. John says, God is love. And he said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Well, where does God live? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Where does God live? He lives in you. There's light living in you. He's living in your spirit. He's in you. There's no darkness in there. Embrace the light that's in you. Embrace the light. Say, I'm light. There's no darkness in me. And if there is, run it out. Run it out. Don't let it stay in your body. Stay in your life. As Teresa said Wednesday night, whoever you submit yourself a slave to obey, that's whom you're slave to. Paul said if you, if you submit yourself to God's righteousness, you become a slave of righteousness. That's what I want to be. If you submit yourself to your flesh, you become a slave to your flesh. And you let sin dominate you. You do it to yourself, but you don't have to. Because God wants to live big in you. He wants you to know who he is first. Then you can know who you are. Peter had to identify for himself who Jesus was before he could properly receive from him all the things he said that he was. You cannot truly know who you are until you have identified who he is. If you know who Christ is, then if you are in Christ, you are confident in who you are. And so let's talk about ministry. How can you minister to someone the life of God if you don't know what exists in you? Jesus said, this is what you are. You can start off by seeing yourself because Jesus is the same. You can start off by seeing yourself as a woman with the issue of blood. If he healed her, he'll heal you. If he said according to your faith there, he'll say according to your faith to you. But then move on from that. And then you become Jesus because he's inside you. Now you lay your hands on people and loose them from their infirmity. That's how Jesus meant it to be. He's sitting up in heaven on the right hand of the Father. We are his, we are his ambassadors. We're his ambassadors now. Thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of us running around. We're supposed to be doing his works. We're supposed to be doing what he did. Amen? But you can't do it if you don't know who he is and if you don't spend time with him. He will make this so real to you if you'll fellowship with him. One time I was going through something in my body and the scripture popped up. God is light. God is light. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And then in, in Philippians it says, and now I'm complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. Well, if I'm complete in him, who's the head, then if he's the head of all principality and power and I'm complete in him and there's no darkness... He's under my feet. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you authority. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If something's hurting you, take authority over it. If something's hurting you in any way, shape, or form, take authority over it. If it ain't a serpent, it ain't a scorpion, guess what? It's all covered in over all the power of the enemy. Take authority over it. 
Don't, don't, don't wait until you go to the doctor to hear a report. Take authority over right now. You have a pain. You have a pain hit you. You, you, get, you get all crumpled up and, and, and scary things that are happening to your body. You start bleeding. Don't, don't, don't go immediately to, oh, my God, I have cancer. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Don't go to the Internet. Because the Internet symptoms are for everything. You got a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, no. Say in the name of Jesus, you foul devil. You foul devil, you're straight from hell. Get off me in Jesus' name. You get off me in Jesus' name. I'm light. I'm light. I'm light and I'm love. And there's no darkness in me. And I'm completing him who's the head of all principality and power. You're under my feet. That means everything that's from you is under my feet. Amen? I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor. I'm just saying he's not the final word. Stop taking him as God and final word. He is not. He just does his best, but he's still mortal man. I'm sorry, I just spit on you. He's still mortal man. God is your father, and he lives inside you. Now, now that we have read who he is, what he does, now that you are engrafted in what God says, what Jesus says about himself, let's read about who you are. Now that you know. Romans 3.24 you were to life church being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You are justified freely. It was a free gift. Just receive it. There is therefore now no condemnation or damnation to them who are now in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. No damnation on you. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. You're not going to the pit. If you did, you're coming bouncing up off of it like a, like a rubber ball at the bottom of an ocean because God can't be in hell. There's no darkness in him. Neither can you. Amen? This is now, now he's talking about you. For the law of the spirit of life, Romans 3, 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Say that. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from the law. What does that mean from the curses that come from the law? Go read Deuteronomy 28 and find out everything you're not. It's good to read it. It's good to read what's going to come on a person if he doesn't obey God. But you're obeying him from the heart now. You've received him as Lord. And so everything it says that's going to come on them are things that we deal with today. And so just reverse it. That's not who I am. And, and it says, in that chapter, it says, there's much more to be written, but the books can't contain it. So everything else, you know, every disease falls under that. Every disease, mentally, spiritually, physically. One, one, one of the curses is that uh, one of the, the laws of sin and death, if you don't obey everything in the law, um, was that your children would grope around in darkness, even in the noonday, and confusion would strike them. Not my children. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. That curse was hung on a tree and it was Jesus. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. He says Christ has now redeemed us from all those curses. Amen? Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him are you in Christ Jesus now who of God is made unto me. Say, God is now made unto me. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
Stop letting people and circumstances identify who you are or tell you who you are or what they think about you. It doesn't matter. Only let God identify who you are. Now, I, I'm going to get on some toes. I'm probably going to get on some toes, and it's okay because y'all love me. But I hear this all the time. We have every race. We have most every race in this building. We have Spanish. We have black. We have white. And God made us all. And he's a variety God, and he loves all of us. All of us are beautiful in the way God made us. But I'm tired of hearing people, Christians, born again, filled with the Spirit, talking about my people. Not just that. My people. My people. Well, who are your people? Whoa, don't answer that. My people. Not only that, I hear him say, my kin. Well, my kin. Well, my kin. Well, my kin. And then they go explore their roots. You might not want to explore your roots. You might not like what you find out. You better stop going to Ancestry.com. You might not be happy with the results. Why are you identifying with your physical roots? Why are you identifying with my people, my color, my race, my homies? Who are you supposed to be identifying with? Christ. I am crucified with Christ. You're dead. I don't care what color you are. If you've identified with Christ, you're dead. I've been crucified with Christ. Just say, I'm a dead person. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Here's what Jesus said. He said, my brothers, my sisters, and my mother are those who hear the word of God and do it. If your people, your kin, your roots, your mama, your grandmama, your whoever is not hearing the word of God and doing it, they are not your people. I'm sorry. My people, my sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice. My brothers and sisters and my mother. He said that in the, in the face of his mother and his brothers and sisters. My, there's a, get, come out here, Jesus. Your mother wants to see you. Your brothers and sisters want to talk to you. He said, my mother, my brothers and sisters are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's who your people are. You are my sister. You're my sister. You're my brother. And we're going to live a long time together. Doesn't matter whether you're a different color. Stop rehearsing and going back somewhere on things you don't even know about. Things you weren't even there. You didn't live in the 1800s. You didn't live in the Civil War. You didn't live in Martin Luther King. They are not your people. We are your people. If you hear the word of God and you do it, I am your people. I'm your people. And you are God's people. If you hear the word of God and do it. Amen. You're rooted in Christ Jesus, not in Ancestry.com. So stop saying that. I'm correcting all of us, not just you. I'm correcting all of us. My mama, my grandmama, my this, my that. People people say to me, because they know, I've said it. I'm I'm naturally 16th down the line from Pocahontas. (laughs) Woohoo! I don't look nothing like Pocahontas. It's not, it's not, I mean, Megan looks like Pocahontas. But it's like, it's not even enough for me to get a paycheck from the government. But there's a name in my bloodline, in my father's side, that I can trace it all the way down 
Pocahontas. So what? So what? She got a disease when she came to America and she died. I mean, you know, I can't identify with Pocahontas. And even though I like to tease about it and stuff like that, and I think Indians are cool, you know, and all that good stuff, I don't identify with Pocahontas. You know? And I don't identify with the German side of my mother's family. Good Lord, no. Why would I want to do that? You know? Um, a lot of people in, back in the day thought I was Swiss or Swedish. I just let them think that because I didn't want them to think I was German. <laughs> all that to say this. You identify with Christ. You are in Christ. His people are those people who hear the word of God and do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to read a few more scriptures and then we're going to pray. You are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. You are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.26. Galatians 3.29. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that Tracy's not a female and Justin's not a male. He's not saying that. He's saying we make no discrepancy because she's a female or because he's a male. We make no discrepancy because one's a Jew and one's a Greek or one's a Jew, one's a Gentile. We make no discrepancy because one's circumcised and one's not. He says we're all one in Jesus Christ by faith. Amen? Amen. And so... In Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. But here's what avails. Faith which always works by love. That's what avails. Your faith which can only work by love. Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us all with spiritual blessings, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where are you? Are you in heavenly places? I just read, you are seated in heavenly places. And so Ephesians 2, 6, he hath raised us up together, made us all sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That is who you are. You are his workmanship. He does not make junk. He does not make mistakes. He does not make failures. You're his workmanship. Satan may try to come in and destroy. But he said, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. It says, it says, Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, have life more abundantly. If something is stealing from you, if something is destroying you, sickness is just incipient death. That's all it is. It's slow death. That's what sickness is. And it says that sin, sin, it says death came because of sin. And so sickness came. It doesn't mean that you're actually in sin. Some of you might be. I'm just saying that sin's here in the world. And so you overcome it by the blood of the lamb, by the word of your testimony, and then you can overcome the result of that. Amen? Amen. So, here we go. Ephesians 2.10. Yes, where is workmanship? Creating Christ Jesus, Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained. You are ordained to walk in good works, that we should walk in them. When I was sick about 10 years ago, I couldn't walk. I, I, I get dizzy and like faint. Black, almost black out. I just couldn't walk for like three months. I couldn't walk. I won't go into why. doesn't matter right now. I was bedfast. But I got a hold of that scripture on my bed. 
I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that I should walk in them. Lord, I can't walk in your good works if I'm bedfast. Neither can you. There's many things you can't do if you're sick, if you're lonely, if you're, if you're succumbed to the things that are around you, your circumstances. Jesus said he wants you to walk in good works. He wants you to walk those out in your life that he's ordained. He's ordained and predestined every one of you to walk something out in your life that's a good work for him. I can't tell you what that is. doesn't mean you're going to be behind the pulpit, but it is a good work that he sets you to do, and it's going to glorify him. Amen? Amen. So here's another one and your last one. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's us. That the communication of our faith may become effectual by acknowledging today every good thing which is in you in Christ. You need to acknowledge who you are in Christ. You need to acknowledge what he said about you. You need to acknowledge first who he is. Who is he to you? Is he the Christ, the son of the living God? Is he your everything? He said, fear not, for I'm with you. Always. Always. He's always with you in every situation. In the moment, he's there. In the moment, he's always there to take care of you, to protect you, to help you, to not be afraid. Use the name of Jesus. He's inside you. He wants to walk it out with you. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, I pray that today that I have been able to effectively communicate that which was on my heart. Oh, that sight in Israel was uh, quite an amazing experience, as Chloe spoke about, and even to me. That rock, that huge mountain we stood on, that was full of those idols just lining the mountain. And then, and then to think that, that, that they had to please their God and throw kids and babies and animals into this water. Oh, the bondage that they were in. And how you went on a four-day journey just to ask them that one question. Who do men say that I am and who do you say that I am? When Peter answered, you are Christ. You are Christ, the son of the living God. You're the one that's alive. These are all dead. These are dead false gods. The supermarket of gods. That's the mountain that you stood on. While you heard Peter get revelation from your father that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I pray that you would reveal yourself to every person in this room. I pray that they would know first who you are, who you are, that you're light, that you're love, that you give eternal life. You have the power on earth to forgive sin. You are their everything. You're everything they need. I'm asking you to reveal that to every heart in this place today. And as, as my altar workers come up this morning. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-1000.
888-565-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.